guys, Nicole here. Welcome to the I Impossible podcast. Here we bring together experts, scientists, Paralympians, adaptive sports professionals, authors and disability advocates to talk all things limb difference, disability and inclusion. Today I was joined by author and producer Danny Jordan and he talks to me about his journey from TV producer to inclusive children's author, his promise to his wonderful daughter Emerson and the importance of representation in the media. Now let's get to it. So, hey, Danny, thank you so much for joining us today, uh, taking some time out of your busy schedule. Um, congratulations on the release of your first book. Oh, thank uh, you. How... It's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's <laughs> I was going to say, crazy. how does it feel to have it out there? It's, you know, I've been getting asked that question a lot, you know, over the last, what, week and a half now. And I, I ran out of words a while ago. I think, you know, we ran a, a Kickstarter campaign for the Capables back in September of 2020. And... I didn't know what that response was going to be like. I didn't know if people were going to be into it. It was such a it is such a personal project that I thought, am I the only one that thinks this is cool? And then you put it out into the world and all of a sudden, you know, for us in three days, we became fully funded and we had hundreds of people from around the world seeking us out, finding us, supporting us. And that was such a moving experience that like the six months that have followed, I've just run out of words really at this point in time to describe sort of how... Um, how I'm feeling. I'm just, it's gratitude. You know, I, I keep saying over and over again that I think, you know, words words are really great. Um, we also have to be very careful with words, but I think, you know, we as, as humans, we have feelings. We have these emotions that are very real and very palpable um, and very important. And for me, it's just been, it's been all feelings and it's feelings of gratitude and joy and hope. Um, I think hope for the future that my daughter, you know, the world that my daughter will grow up in, what that will look like, um, how much representation and inclusion there will be in the world and how there are people out there who are warriors on the front lines fighting that fight, but that there are also people who are eager to have the conversation um, and to welcome these stories into their world. It's just, I think it, it's hope, it's gratitude, it's joy, it's excitement for what potentially could come in the future for the capable. So really, it's a cornucopia of things right now, Nicole. <laughs> all the feels yeah, yeah um I think it's really powerful as well like you said that you've got such a massive team behind you like everyone's obviously you were funded so fast it shows how important the work is that you're doing as well so yeah just gives you that that kind of understanding well, of what's needed in the world and, and what's crazy is like how many of these people you know when you do a crowdsource funding campaign or you you launch a business of any sort I think your first customers most of the time or supporters are your family and they are your close friends who believe in you and want you to feel encouraged which we definitely had with our Kickstarter campaign and since we launched the book but what's been just so incredible to me are all the people from legitimately all around the world who I've never met before in my life most of them I I didn't know their names. I didn't know their faces. And, and they have supported us. They backed us on Kickstarter. They ordered books. Um, whether disability had intersected their world or not, they saw what we were doing and believed that it was something that needed to be out in the world. And, and that's just what's been, I mean, obviously, you know, having my family and friends support means the world to me and has meant the world to me since I was a kid. But to have hundreds of people you don't know seeing something that you've put three years of your life into, believing in it and wanting to help shepherd it and, and, and encourage it and, and boost it out into the world. It, um, 
it's just such a moving experience. If you've seen my social media channels, you know I cry a lot. Um, so it's just been, um, it's been super emotional, but for all the best reasons. Yeah, definitely. I think um, anyone who has seen your content, like you can really see where you are in terms of like the, the impact it's having in your in your home and everything. Like it's mm. it is really moving, um, especially from my perspective as um, a person with a limb difference. Seeing a father react the way that you do, it's just really powerful and like really honest. And I love it. Yeah. So yeah, thank you for all that you put out there as well. It's lovely to oh, see. Thank you for that feedback. It, it means the world. <laughs> Um, so book launch month was on the cusp of April, so Limb Difference and Limb Loss Awareness Month. Was that uh, good planning or was it just, <laughs> did it just work out that way? That's, that's the way we planned it. Um, from, from the moment I realized what timing was looking like for this to potentially be done and for us to print it, I knew that I wanted to align with uh, Limb Loss and Limb Difference Awareness Month. Um, it just felt like when I was looking at the timeline of when realistically we could have this done, I thought, of course it has to launch right in conjunction with that because there's going to be so much conversation um, happening in the media, happening on social media, um, happening on you know various websites and whatever it might be that I felt like this could be an opportunity for a new work to sort of enter the world that, that has a very honest conversation, I think, about... Um, disability and about limb difference and as you know with with our book with our series we are committed to authentic representation and i think um to have something like this come out you know legit what two days before april 1st and to have two individuals on our advisory board who are living with limb differences who contributed to the language of this book just having it go out into the world it just felt like it felt like the perfect timing to do it and i think when you're launching something new, you know there's going to be that buzz leading up to the launch, but what sort of sustains you from launch day forward? And for me, I saw it as this opportunity knowing that like on launch day, there would be a lot of people that I knew who would help boost us up and support us. But in the coming weeks that followed, I didn't want us to just fizzle out. Um, I wanted this wave of momentum to keep growing for the capables and this message of inclusion and aligning with a month that is dedicated to spreading you know, awareness. It just felt like the best time to do it. It felt like the best way to celebrate, um, but also position us to be potentially included in more conversations on a bigger level um, that you know, I can be a part of that Nicole and our other advisory board members can be a part of to help, you know, advocate and, and spread awareness for uh, limb loss and limb difference. Yeah, it's perfect. I mean, obviously, like with um, the the kind of um, appearances you've been doing as well on like your local news stations and things like that, I think it's just perfect. It's a great way to advocate as well and spread awareness. So, yeah, yeah. it's awesome. It's been crazy. <laughs> I keep using that word, but it's just like, it is mind blowing to me that, that we have been embraced that in the way that we have. And I'm just, I'm, I'm just grateful. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, so this is the first in the series of the Capables called uh, Ray's First Day. So what can you tell us about the storyline? 
Yeah, I don't want to spoil too much, uh, but sure. if you haven't read the book, it's you know it's sort of all in the title. It's Ray's first day of school, and and that really speaks to the Capables as as a series. You know, these the Capables are a group of kid superheroes, all of whom have a difference or disability, um, and their powers are activated through empowerment. Uh, and in the world of the Capables. We're not really looking early days because these are kids, you know, who are about five years old. We're not looking at villains necessarily being people. We're looking at villains being experiences or or things that are scary for kids. That could be going to the dentist or the doctor for the first time. It could be Halloween. It could be anything that might be sort of scary for a kid. And in this first book, Ray's first day, it's her first day of kindergarten. Um, and, you know, obviously there's a lot of sort of uh, nervousness involved in that, not just from Ray's perspective, but also from her parents' perspective. Um, and we were really mindful of that, of, you know, sort of telling the story from Ray's perspective of why why she was nervous about her first day of school, and that connects to, to her superpower, um, but also from her parents' perspective and why and why they were a little nervous about Ray going out on her own for the first time. But um, in the book, it's her first day of school and it's it's a rainy day. Um, and, and Ray, though she has this, this visible disability, this limb difference that people can see and they know it's something that makes her quote unquote different, she has this super secret superpower that she's never shared with anyone before. Uh, and her power is that she can harness you know, the, the, the power of light. So she's faced with this conflict of, do I, do I bring out the sun so my classmates can have recess outside and, and in doing so reveal this, this superpower that I've never shown anyone before, or do I keep this power to, to myself and my classmates have to have indoor recess. And for me, as a person who loves the indoors, you know, growing up, going to school, like the last thing I ever wanted to do was have indoor recess because it's, you know, you've spent, hours in the classroom already. It's like, get me outside. Let me kick a ball. Let me throw a ball. Let me climb a, you know, a tree or whatever. Um, so that's really, you know, in a nutshell, what, what the story is in, in the first book. And um, there's some fun Easter eggs that we've sort of hidden in there as to who other capables might be that might be in class with Ray that you may meet uh, in our next book or a future book in the series. Um, but in a nutshell, it's her first day of school and um, she's faced with this conflict of, do I do I reveal my superpower or not? I love that. I think, um, especially again, from the perspective of anyone with a limb difference or a disability that's visual, I think first days of school are, they're pretty hard experiences. So I think mm. navigating it through a children's book like this is going to be, is going to make a big impact. So yeah, I love that. Yeah. And I, and honestly, I, I have to give a huge uh, shout out to Nicole Kelly, who's one of our advisory board members because um, when I was writing the book, you know, I've worked in television here in the States for a long time and been fortunate to work on some really great shows. And through the last 12 years, I've really learned how to tell a great story, um, but an authentic story when it comes to what it's like for an individual living with a limb difference going to school for the first time. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that feels like. I don't know what the conversation is around that um, for that individual. And so that's really where Nicole and, and Jason Schneider and really our entire board has, have played a vital role. But Nicole specifically, there's a conversation that happens um, in the book when Ray first arrives at school and she's sort of dealing with this fear of, I, I don't want to do this, you know, and she has this conversation with her dad and 
there's language that is in that conversation that was specifically sourced from a conversation that Nicole and I had uh, last year after we became fully funded on Kickstarter. I, I, I was committed. I knew that I needed to include people in um, in ensuring that our language was accurate and, and, and reflected lived experience. Um, but until we became funded on Kickstarter, I didn't know what that timeline was going to look like. So once we became funded, I reached out to Nicole and a few other people and Nicole and I would talk for hours um, just about the capables and about language and about her life and what and what kindergarten looked like for her. And and really those moments that I think are some of the most important, if not the most important in our book, are directly sourced from conversations I had with Nicole because I could write the dad's perspective really well, but I had no idea what that looked like and felt like for someone with a limb difference. And so I got a I got to say a huge thank you to Nicole for for all of the insights that that she provided and honesty and um, just realness that that she gave us throughout the um, the creative process. Yeah, definitely. How did you find like stepping into um, kind of that space of having to talk about disability? And because I know for other like able-bodied people, it's quite a hard place to step into with confidence and know that you're not going to upset or insult somebody you know it's that's a great question um it was something that i knew that i needed to do and um i think a lot of people there is fear right there i think a lot of people want to have the conversation but they are afraid that they're going to say something wrong or that they're going to insult someone or or hurt someone but i think what we have to realize as the non-disabled community is that the only way that we can ever potentially get it right is by understanding and accepting that there are going to be times that we get it wrong first. Um, and I think you have to be mindful of that because you don't obviously want to to upset someone and you don't want to hurt someone. But I think, you know, I, I, I think about Ryan Haddad, who's one of our board members, who's a longtime friend of mine. He was born with cerebral palsy and He's just a very incredible person and very honest person. And he was one of the first people I ever talked to about um, the Capables when I was working on it. I, I met him for lunch back in 2019 in New York and I told him about it and he encouraged me. But he also said, he goes, just promise me that the impactful, empowering moments, those that language, that narrative does not come from a non-disabled person because that's what's happened our entire lives is it's like it's really easy to say everybody walks differently when you're not the person who walks differently and ryan really opened up that door for me to sort of explore that creatively but also to explore that from like how do we authentically represent these stories and so i have to say thank you to people like ryan and to Nicole. When I first reached out to Nicole, I sent her an email because um, I didn't know her prior to the Capables. And I found her email address on her Instagram page and I popped her an email and just told her what I was doing. And, and she wrote me back this incredibly honest, uh, raw, thoughtful, caring email, um, which was reflective, I'm sure, of so many, I know, was reflective of so many conversations that she had had prior or other parents who'd reached out to her who wanted to engage her in conversation. And I think it was a reaction to other people who maybe had a different approach than, than I was taking, but her honesty, her realness with me 
gave me the opportunity to be real back with her. So so Ryan and Jason and Nicole, they they helped me so much along the way to figure out how to have the conversation, but also to figure out ways that I was falling short or language I was using that wasn't intended to be hurtful or to um, to potentially further contribute to negative narratives that have existed in the world. But they informed me and they informed me with care and then gave me the opportunity to make the, the, the shift. Um, so yeah, early days, I mean, still to this point, like I'm still learning. We're all, we're all still learning, right? But I have a, but I have a hunger and, and a desire and, and a passion. And it really stems from my daughter, right? Like I, you know, I want to be the best advocate I possibly can. And the only way I can do that is by engaging in conversation, but also just taking time to listen. I think so often we want to be active participants in conversation, but when you go into a conversation that you will never understand what those people have been through or what they're feeling, you have to shut up. Excuse my language, but like you got to <laughs> shut up and just listen and really actively listen in, in, in not just the words that are being expressed, but the feelings, the, the lived experience through every different type of scenario that a human being can possibly navigate in, in life and how their disability or their difference, whether it's race or sexuality or whatever it be, how that um, impacts those spaces that they navigate. And I think until we take the time to actively listen, and then as we're starting to like gain uh, a little glimpse of what that feels like, then you start to engage in conversation. But I think you have to invest. And I don't think it's the disability community's job to educate us. I think it's our job to put in the work and the time and the effort to educate ourselves through listening. Yeah, definitely. I love Sorry, that. I don't. That was. I don't know if that was even your question, but I just like I, I when I get wound up, I just sort of start going. No, that's perfect. I love it. Like um, the Iron Possible Foundation is founded by people with limb differences for people with limb differences. It's mm. for giving a platform and a voice to people that live with limb differences. And like you said, it's not. Um, the disability community's job to educate but it kind of feels like if we don't speak out then it's not going to happen so it's awesome that you've like found a way to have those uncomfortable conversations and be open to it as well because um, like, I'm always worried even that I'm going to insult somebody and I'm not going to have the same perspective as mm. someone else that's lived with a limb difference because we're all different so um, yeah, it's just a learning process and it's, I think it's, like you said, it's going to go on for a very long time or if not forever, we're always learning. So yeah. So yeah. Um, and in terms of your journey to becoming an inclusive like children's book author, um, how did it all start? I'd love to hear more about, about that. Yeah, it all started. I mean, I've shared this story so many times at, at this point, <laughs> but I'm happy to share it a million times more because it's, one of the most, it is, I mean, I've said it in like so many videos, it is the most important story in my life. Um, it was uh, June of 2018. My, my wife was pregnant with our first uh, child, Emerson. And uh, everything, you know, with the pregnancy, there weren't, there hadn't been any issues or concerns, you know, throughout the first really almost five months. And then we went in for uh, an ultrasound at about 21 weeks. 
and we went and saw the radiology department and they had said at the end, hey, you're going you're to get a call from our department to come back to do another ultrasound because there were some images we just couldn't get because of your baby's positioning. We said, all right, cool. So we left uh, and then we got a call the next day um, and it turned out it wasn't from radiology. It was from a genetic counselor and they had called my wife and you know let her know that there were some concerns that came up over what they were and, and, and weren't seeing on that ultrasound. So they wanted us to go see a perinatologist, a specialist. And fortunately, they were able to get us in within the next, you know, couple of days because we were leaving town and, you know, just to sort of sit with that, you know, we were grateful that, that we were able to get in so quickly. Um, and so we had about a two and a half hour ultrasound with a specialist and she had informed us before she even started that she doesn't like to talk while she's doing her ultrasounds. So we just sat, I literally sat in a chair staring at a computer screen watching her type in all these codes and point arrows here and there. And I'm trying to Google everything as we're going along, trying to figure out what, what, what does this even mean that she's writing on the screen? And it's just like, it feels like it's the biggest moment of your life and you're, and it's playing out in front of you and you have no idea what's happening. And so then at the end, she turned on the light and she sat down and she said, okay, let's talk. And I, you know, I assumed at that point in time that, um, you know, it was going to be what they had sort of thought. And, you know, she informed us that that our daughter, that only one of the bones in her right forearm had had grown, and they they didn't know which one. Um, they didn't know if she was going to have any fingers or digits, if there were syndromatic issues there as well. Um, but I just remember sitting in that room and and looking at Emerson up on the screen, and it's just like she became so real to me in in that moment. And I think for parents there's a moment where you like, whether it's you hear the heartbeat for the first time or you hear your baby cry or you hold them skin to skin, whatever it is, there's sort of like a moment that a parent remembers like, oh, that's when my kid became real to me. Um, and that was the moment uh, that Emerson became real to me. And I just remember thinking, I was like, I gotta, I gotta do whatever I can to use my skill set, my connections, my passion as a dad to be, um, my compassion to put something out into this world that will make this world a little bit more inclusive, uh, empowering, loving, um, and, and, and educated. And, uh, and so the next day I was getting ready for work and I just was like, I just, I couldn't stop thinking about it. I was like, what can I do? What can I do? And then like clear as day, the title, the capables came to me. And I remember thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, this group of like kid superheroes and like that was it that was, and and from that day i it's become like the most important work of my life and it's taken a while you know i think there are some children's book authors who may have an idea one day and in 6 months the book's written printed and out in the world um for us i think it was a lot of factors at play in terms of why it's taken the time that it's taken i think um First of all, I'm just a huge subscriber to the fact that things happen when when they are meant to, and you just got to trust the process. Um, but I had life stuff going on. But also, like, if it had happened, if I had taken like the even the fifth draft of my manuscript and we published that, the book wouldn't be what it is today. It needed time to grow and to evolve and to expand and to have the influence of people like like Nicole and Ryan and Jason and Mika and Kizzy. And it needed the time for the illustrator to align with us because Augustina, who illustrated our book, took 
this world that I had living in my mind that I could never draw on a piece of paper and she gave it life. She made Ray come to life. She made the world of the capables come to life. And so, you know, long story short, I wasn't trying to become a children's book author. That That's not what I do. I, I make TV shows. Um, I thought in years prior, because I used to be a, a mommy and me uh, like class manager and worked at the YMCA as a program director and all these things. I thought, oh, maybe I'll write a kid's book someday. But it wasn't something I was actively pursuing. So um, I think... I think things happen in life that you can never prepare yourself for, but when they happen, how you react is what sort of dictates how you move forward in life. And I think, you know, I don't know. I, I go back and forth. Like I know my wife and I tried for a long time to get pregnant and it didn't happen, you know, and then we decided to do in vitro and in vitro is here in the States is not covered by insurance. It's not a cheap experience. So we took out a loan because we wanted to become parents. Like I wanted to become a dad ever as long as I can remember. And my same for my wife, you know, she wanted to be a mom. And so we said, let's just do it. And so we took out a loan and, and we were successful. You know, we implanted two embryos and Emerson is the one that made it. So like part of me feels like her story just was needed to be in this world you know and through that like she she doesn't know this but i'm getting like you know you can see i'm getting choked up here because it just like it means so much to me um she doesn't know the people's lives that she's impacting but she's like she spreads so much joy into this world and you know i just feel like the least i can do is to try to capture that light that she spreads into the world and do whatever I can to spread it in my way too. And that's, you know, that's, that's what we're trying to do through the capables because I want kids like her to see themselves and to know like, I'm a hero too. Yeah, you're, do, you're doing such a beautiful job of it. Like, I'm trying to not tear up too. Like, um, <laughs> the videos that you've been sharing recently as well, like watching Emerson interact with her character, like you said, like the um, anime, the illustration, sorry, is incredible. Like, I love yeah. just the feel of it. It's just like having two children myself, I have to kind mm. of enjoy the pictures too. <laughs> but I, so, yeah, I, I love it. And um, yeah, watching her like interact with, her character is just so beautiful and it always makes me tear up um has it kind of has it helped you as a family and has it helped emerson have discussions around her limb difference yet or is that something that you think will come a bit later on i think i think the discussion will come later on you know because she's two and a half now and i don't i don't think she fully grasps like the language aspect of things just yet but it's you know, it's the same reason that we welcome books into our home uh, and seek out books like She Persisted, you know, this this great book written by Chelsea Clinton uh, about, you know, like 13 American women who just like persisted, you know, from Harriet Tubman uh, to Helen Keller to, you know, Sally Ride and Florence Griffith Joyner and just these incredible stories about like these amazing warrior women. And though like, I don't know how much my daughter understands about the language, she sees a book where like the 13 heroes are all women. And to me, there's something really important about her just being exposed to that imagery in and of itself, that she sees stories where women 
are the focus and it's about them and it's about celebrating them and shining a light on them. So for me, when it comes to the capables, you know, whether Emerson realizes it or not, I think, you know, her and, and other kids with limb differences or just vis or disabilities in general, seeing a character, seeing a story that doesn't exist without that character, that the story is all about that person's life. And yes, we address the limb difference, but there's 36 other pages that have nothing to do with her limb difference whatsoever. And you just see a kid that looks like you navigating the world like you navigate the world. And to me, I think there's something, you know, I think there are neuro neurological pathways that are being created in her mind and the mind of kids all around the world by seeing a story where the hero looks different, you know? So that way, when, when kids, you know, go out into the world and they go to the park and maybe they've never interacted with someone with a visible disability before that they would go into that experience with more more under like not understanding but like more educated and more uh um i think just the realization that like different isn't weird you know i think kids point at things and say it's weird because they've just never seen it before and then when their parents say don't point don't look all that sort of stuff then they then they it magnifies it right um mm -hmm. So for me, I think Emerson seeing a character that, that looks like her, my hope, <laughs> I don't know, but my hope is that it empowers her. My hope is that it, that she never questions in her mind whether or not she can be the star of the show, whether or not she can be the, the, the lead in any story, whether that's of a corporate story or a stage production or or the lead of a of a group in a on a project in school like whatever it might be that she would never question it because all she's ever known is growing up in a home and in a world where where an individual that looks like her does those things yeah yeah definitely yeah um i always i think one of the reasons that um i kind of pushed for the iron possible foundation to start up was because i'd never seen a mum with one hand like mm. i'd just never seen it so i never thought i could be a mum and uh -huh. it was something that held me back in uh, terms of kind of even dating and things like that because I thought well, people with physical disabilities people with my physical disability do, don't do that I've never seen it so mm. yeah like and to be able to see heroes and things like that it's just it's really powerful um and I think one of the reasons I wanted to kind of chat to you today as well was mm. I feel like you're in a really interesting position with your work and your background in media and producing um, and your journey with Emerson. Do you feel like, um, were you aware of the lack of positive representation in the media around disability before Emerson arrived? Or is it something that's kind of become more obvious, if you know what I mean? I think it's something yeah. that's just accepted in society, isn't it? And until someone pulls it up, it's yeah. not seen. Yeah, I think you're, you're, you're touching on so many interesting points there. I think for me, you know, I, I grew up in a family that is very compassionate and very inclusive. So I think I, like, I look back to when I worked as a camp counselor and, um, I think I just had a way to connect with, you know, certain kids at camp. Um, and you know, whether it was a child who, had it was possibly on like the autism spectrum or whatever it might be that those kids were always put in in my group at camp because I think 
I, I just was able to make a connection with them. So it was something I always felt uh, in me sort of like pulled towards. But until Emerson came along, I, I don't think I, I know that I, I fully didn't see in my industry the way that the story of disability and those living with disability was, was told. And so often told by and through the lens of people who have no understanding and will never understand what that looks and feels like. And, you know, a perfect example of that is, you know, I worked on a, a really big show here, here in the States, a, a home makeover show. And we had an individual as one of the, um, you know, the dad and one of the families that we featured on our show. And, and he uh, had a limb difference. He was in a bad motorcycle accident and had uh, one of his legs amputated. And there was this desire from the creative side to surprise him with a new motorized wheelchair. And prior to having Emerson I think my immediate response would be like, oh my gosh, that will be so incredible for that, that individual if we surprise him with a motorized wheelchair, a new one. But that's not our decision to make. Do you know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. maybe he likes the one that he has just fine. Maybe the one that, that we wanted to give him didn't suit his needs in any way. Um, and it puts that person in a really difficult position to have to be like, thank you so much for this thing that I didn't even ask for, that maybe I don't even need. And I think prior to having Emerson, prior to befriending so many individuals now from the disability community, I don't know if I would have thought about it from that perspective. And that's why I say, you know, what I said earlier is that our job I believe our not job, but our responsibility as individuals who are not disabled is to to listen and to learn and to educate ourselves and to understand that like acts that historically have that we feel as the non-disabled community are like generous and thoughtful and helpful are a lot of times actually diminishing to people living with a disability. And I know that can be hard for some people in the non-disabled community to understand. So like, well, I'm doing something right. Well, it's not your job to decide if it's right. That That's not up yeah. to you. you. You know, you don't like if someone just showed up and gave you something that you never asked for, like, how, what would your response be? You know, and and so until Emerson, like those were things that I probably thought about, but didn't think about in the way that I do now. And they, I also didn't think about them from the perspective of the conversations that I've had with, you know, individuals like Nicole, you know, who have shared, you know, experiences that, you know, microaggressions and all this sort of stuff that happens out in, in the world. And so for me as a producer, now it's like, okay, how one, I created this book series called The Capables that, you know, who knows what that'll become long-term in the world, but now through navigating life as the parent of a child with a disability and now because of the capables being connected to so many people in the disability community who have been so generous with their time and, and energy and insights to to speak with me how can i utilize that um, information that i now have to ensure that 
when I move on to another project where disability may be in some way involved in the narrative, how do I make sure that we navigate that properly? And I really believe that the only way you could ever do that is by including people in the conversation, mm-hmm. uh, including people in coming up with your creative consulting with people, because you'll always just be guessing and it'll always filter through the mind of somebody who's actually never lived that life. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think as well, like you touched on it with, um, with setting the person with the physical disability as the hero, like that you, you're challenging those stereotypes that are presented in the media. And we've had um, a series going on at the moment that was challenging and educating um, our followers around disability representation in the media. And it was all uh, inspired by one of our ambassadors, Savannah. Um, she's a young lady that was born with ectodactyly, which is the limb difference that was used as a prop with um, The Witches, the Warner Bros nice. remake of The Witches. Um, and I kind of wanted to talk to you a bit about that as well, because I remember an Instagram Live that you did. It really stuck in my mind when um, obviously everyone raised the flags about about the situation around the movie, because I hadn't even seen it until I saw some posts and then obviously went did my research and realised what had happened. Um, and looking back on it now, I remember like how powerful what you had to say about it was because you work in the industry. Um, reflecting on it, how do you feel about it now when you look back? About my about my thoughts or about the about just what the studio did in general. What the studio did, yeah. Just the yeah, I mean, I think I think they made a big mistake, and I. I think they knew it and I think they compounded the mistake with the first statement that that came out that sort of just was very vanilla and sort of dismissive to people's feelings. Um, And then I think as (laughs) once they realized, oh, that we clearly misstepped, I think um, it goes back to what I said earlier. You know, I think there's fear in getting it wrong, right? There's fear in saying something, but I think when the opportunity comes to potentially learn how you can you can get it right moving forward, you have to engage. And I think after there was a very real understanding from, I think it was Warner Brothers' perspective as to how they had fallen short, um, it does seem like they are being more proactive to make sure that this doesn't happen in the future. Um, I think it's an incredibly unfortunate thing that they did, um, that you put imagery like that out into the world and it further reinforces whatever preconceived notions people may have about, about the limb different community without even realizing it. You know, they see like someone represented as a villain in the story. And then they see a kid that has a hand that maybe looks similar to my daughters or others out in the world. And, and whether they're thinking about it consciously or not, their brain remembers seeing a story where the villain had a hand that looked like my daughters. And that's a problem. But I think it becomes an opportunity. And I think we're at this really interesting sort of uh, boiling point and turning point and transition point in society where people are speaking up, Um, you know, people from the disability community, people who 
our parents of children with disability, like people are speaking up and saying, no, we can't, we're not going to do this anymore. And you can't do that anymore. And I know that you say it's just a character. Well, that, that, that explanation doesn't work anymore. And I'm, that's why I say like, I'm very hopeful for where we're going in the future. Cause I think there's so many people in and around the disability community who are becoming warriors for advocacy that I think we're going to see a real positive shift. I think we're going to see more and more studios having departments that are specifically committed to authentic and accurate representation uh, and inclusion and diversity and equity and all these things that so many incredible individuals have been fighting for for so long and may never get to see come to fruition, but they fought the fight and they started the wave of change. And I think it's starting to happen. And I'm hopeful that we as the capables can continue to contribute to that change, whether we become like the first major series that gets out there in a significant way on a major network to be an animated series that features children with disabilities or us just creating this and proving that there's an audience opens the door for the next person who's working right behind us to do the exact same thing where they get to just fly through that door without any sort of apprehension um, and spread these stories of inclusion to to the world. And I think as unfortunate and uh, as upsetting as situations like the witches can be, I think the way that people in and around the disability community reacted and spoke up is what's going to ensure that that doesn't happen like that anymore. Yeah, sure. I think as well, it, it just starts that conversation, doesn't it? I think yeah. because everyone spoke out so quickly on on the use of that limb difference, um, it just started conversations everywhere. It was it was all over all the like news networks, TV, and everything. So it started a conversation around how we use disability and how we represent right. it. So even though it's unfortunate, it's almost it's the silver lining at least to that situation yeah. so yeah but and, it speaks um, to the, the the people who were directly impacted by that imagery mm-hmm. that rather than say burn the studio down it's like this can't happen anymore like to have that integrity to have that class to come out and share your honest story with the objective being to affect positive change like that just speaks to the character of of so so many people all around the world you know whether they're from the limb different community or or the disability community at large um i just you know i i think we're at an incredible turning point and i'm you know as the dad of a child with a disability i'm very hopeful for the world that that emerson will grow up in yeah definitely yeah i think um some of the young ladies that i work with um who do have um that limb difference that was represented in the movie the way that they reacted to it was just it was so powerful like mm-hmm. if i was a um if i kind of look back to when i was a teenager i think i would have just wanted to go and hide if because mm-hmm. i've had a similar situation happen with my limb difference in the uk where um there was a tv presenter charles tv presenter um who basically got complaints saying that their child was petrified of seeing their um seeing her on tv And I was about 14 and it just like it ruined my self-confidence for a while. And so to see um, these young ladies kind of step up and just say, hang on a minute. No, like I'm not angry. I'm just disappointed and we need to have this chat. 
it's really powerful yeah. and yeah I, i'm very lucky to i mean work they're with heroes them. like in my in my book yeah. they are they are they are creating change not just now but for generations to come they are setting the wheels of positive progress in motion in ways that i don't even know that they fully can grasp i don't think any of us can grasp at this point in time and it's just it's incredible and i'm grateful for them yeah definitely yeah um so going forward then you mentioned a little bit there about the idea of an animated series or something <laughs> but um in terms of the capables where will they be going next can you give us any hints oh man that is the that's the big question uh these days and you know i think right now i am so like full my heart my spirit everything is full because this started out as a promise to emmy to just write illustrate and print one book that her and i could read together where the hero looked like her and i felt like that was that was goal number one and we accomplished that and then you know bigger goals started coming along bigger dreams started popping up uh you know sharing this story out to the world now that's happening um, a lot of people have said to me throughout the creative process with the capables and once they started seeing the illustrations and understanding sort of what our objective was with the series long term a lot of people have said this needs to become an animated series and when i first had the idea for the capables that wasn't even in wasn't even in my mind because that's that's not what i do but I think when you hear something from so many different people from so many different walks of life, whenever they hear about this thing you're working on, it starts to you start to wonder, oh, maybe this should be an animated series. Why did I never think of that? And so we're in we're in this sort of um, exciting position right now where people have um, people have seen us and people have started to look into the capables and reach out to us and express an interest in meeting and, and hearing more. Um, I can't say too much because nothing is firm, but you know, there's, there's a very big children's content company that reached out to us and, um, we're going to be meeting with them and just, you know, having a conversation about who the capables are, where we can take this thing long-term, if it's of interest to them. I don't know. For me, I'm just, it's just cool to know that this thing that started out as a promise to my daughter has now gotten to the point where one of the networks that I grew up as a kid watching has taken an, an interest in us and wants to meet with us and wants to hear more. And if that's all that ever comes of it, to me, it's a win. You know, because at the, at the end of the day, my, my, my main goal, we accomplish. So I'll never be disappointed by anything that comes out of this. It'll only be gratitude. So, and if that doesn't happen with this network or any other network or animation studio or whatever, I'm okay because I can still do another Kickstarter campaign. I have <clears throat> other capables that I know I want to write stories about other disabilities that um, I want to make sure we are representing through our series. There's, sorry, my daughter is knocking on my office door as we speak. Um, there <laughs> is, uh, <laughs> if I hit a certain amount of time I've been in here, she starts to knock on the door because she wants to know what I'm up to. But um, there, there are at least 10 other, nine other capables that, that I would love to see represented at least on the page through, through our books. 
Um, and, and we'll do one at a time. And as long as there's an audience that's interested in it and, and wants to back us on Kickstarter or order our books through Amazon or through our website, we'll keep writing them. We'll keep illustrating them. And, and hopefully Augustina, you know, with her incredible talent, she'll at least stay on with us for at least one more book so we can keep that, that look and feel going. But, you know, I'm just open to wherever the energy with this project wants to go, whether it's just books and I say just, but it's not just like whether it's books um, or a series or whatever it wants to be in the world. I'm, I'm along for the ride and I'm just grateful to, to be a part of this team that's doing something important in the world. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much. Thank you for obviously everything that you're doing for the discussion around inclusion and disability mm-hmm. as well, like taking it back to your kind of daily work as well within kind of... Um, the media and that industry I think it's really powerful and obviously yeah raised first day I can't wait I've um I've ordered it so I'm sure my son's gonna <laughs> oh, love awesome. it yeah so I can't wait to receive it and yeah I'm excited um so how can people find you and how can people order your book then yeah so the best way to well I don't want to say the best way uh, it really depends on where you're at in the world um so we sell hardback uh, covers, hardback covers. Let me say that again. <laughs> we sell hardcover books through our website, thecapables.com. You can also get the paperback and ebook version through Amazon. Um, if you are abroad, if you're not here in the States, um, I would suggest looking at Amazon, even though it's the paperback copy, because getting it, getting it printed and shipped to Canada or the UK or Germany or wherever you may be, is going to be significantly cheaper uh, to do it through Amazon, um, which was part of our strategy. We just wanted to make sure we could get this book out to as many people as possible in the most in the most like uh, fiscally responsible way possible. Um, but you can also follow us on social media at the Capables. We're on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. Um, we share a lot of fun fun content. We're really really just trying to open up more conversation and and use or utilize the community that that we're building to not just share cool content around our book, but to connect people and to um, hopefully just have more conversation around um, disability, inclusion, representation, everything that, you know, we're we're working towards with our series. And if people want to connect with me directly, they can find me at Danny Jordan on Instagram. I'm on Twitter, but I don't really tweet. Um, (laughs) So find me on Instagram. That's the best place to find me and see cute pictures of my daughter and all of our adventures. Awesome. Thank you so much for being so open as well. I really appreciate you taking the time to have a chat with us today. Of course, I appreciate you and all of the awesome work you're doing and the way that you've continued to support us and and amplify um, the work we're doing at The Capables. It, It means the world. So thank you for your time and thank you for inviting me to be a part of this conversation today. Thank you for listening to the I Am Possible podcast. I wanted to say another huge thank you to Danny for joining me. It was so wonderful to talk to him and to really witness his passion around raising awareness, being a great ally and just showing his daughter that she can be a hero. Since recording with Danny, I received my own copy of Ray's First Day and I can't tell you how wonderful it is. Um, I read it to my son and I was getting choked up the whole way through. There's some really powerful moments in it, so be sure to go check it out. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. We touched on so many topics from Not a Witch to the importance of representation in children's books and so much in between. So if you have enjoyed it, then be sure to share it, tag us on your social media and subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. 
We have some really exciting guests coming up that you won't want to miss. This is the I Am Possible podcast, brought to you by the I Am Possible Foundation. We are a non-profit which aims to increase the visibility and representation of individuals of limb differences, create a worldwide community, and create and share information and resources that will equip and empower the community to challenge perceptions of ability and overcome obstacles. To learn more about our work and how you can support our cause, you can find us over at the iimpossiblefoundation.co.uk. See you next Friday.